بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين ثم أما بعد I'd like to start today by wrapping up some things from section 6 in your notes that is on page 14 and inshallah ta'ala thereafter I'm going to I don't know how I'm going to do this I think it's considered mission impossible today uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take shorter breaks today Okay, because I can't afford to give you too much time off today. So eat fast. And, you know, pray slowly. I can't tell you to pray fast, but pray slowly, but eat fast and no hour break for, for lunch today. Sorry. We're going we're gonna to wrap up whatever we're going to eat and pray in 30 minutes and be back. Because I just don't have enough time to cover the stuff I really, really, really want to cover with you. And I will be seriously depressed if I didn't get to finish the things that I wanted to share with you, inshallah, okay? So, let's get this started. In section six, I, I wanna give you an introduction a little bit, again, uh, before we get to the macro side, this is the last piece of the micro side of things. Uh, the idea of sequencing something in your speech, okay? Uh, as I'm speaking to you, sometimes I mention two things in my sentence. I say something like, you know, the days and nights that I spent in va on vacation, et cetera, et cetera. So I mentioned days and then I mentioned Nights. I ordered these two words in my head a certain way. Was I conscious of it? Not really. I just said it. It just came in my head and I said it. I could have maybe in another conversation, I could have said the nights and days that I spent there were awesome. In other words, I say day and nights and subconsciously sometimes I say nights and days. And I don't really think about that sort of thing because people when they speak, human beings when we speak, uh, there are conscious parts of our speech and there are also subconscious parts of our speech and we're not really in control all the time of the subconscious parts of our speech right so if you're used to saying things a certain way you always say them the same way so if you're used to saying boys and girls subconsciously you always say what boys and girls you almost never say girls and boys and actually when you say girls and boys you have to consciously think about it so what happens in our heads, this is kind of like speech pathology and linguistics combined a little bit. In our conscience, <coughs> we get used to saying things a certain way. And that just becomes the natural way for us to communicate. So if you like putting something first and something second, it's just the way you do it. Now the interesting thing is that the Qur'an, from a linguistics perspective, is really remarkable because Allah breaks these patterns all the time. He doesn't stick to one way of saying something. Like for example, he doesn't just say, Wallahu bima ta'maluna khabir. And every time he says, Wallahu bima ta'maluna khabir. And Wallahu bima ta'maluna khabir. Sometimes he says, Wallahu khabirun bima ta'malun. Wallahu khabirun bima ta'malun. He changes it. Now for a normal human being who's used to saying something repeatedly, they would fit, they would say it one way and they would stick to that one way and they'll never change it. It would just not be possible for them. But Allah Azza wa Jal changes it over and over and over again on multiple occasions. And sometimes He changes it so quickly that actually human beings in our natural speech, we can't even keep up. We can't do that so rapidly in our speech the way Allah does that in His speech. So I'm going to give you some examples of how that is so incredible in the Qur'an. Something that we consciously, human beings consciously are incapable of doing. We're just incapable of it. Allah says, Qul This is an ayah from Surah Al-Mulk. This is on page 14 in that first section. I'm zooming in on it here. You guys can see it now, right? Qul Say he is ar-Rahman. We have believed in him. 
We've believed in Him. And upon Him we rely. Now I want you to look at this carefully. We believe in Him. Upon Him we rely. There's actually a strange rearrangement. If you have a certain speech pattern, you say, we believe in Him, we rely upon Him. Isn't that how you would say it? But one part of the statement was in normal ordering, we believe in Him. The other part of the statement, immediately Allah switched over and said, instead of saying we rely upon Him, which is not said in the Quran, what is said is, upon Him, we rely. Upon Him, we rely. Immediate switch. Now, these kinds of changes in sequence inside of a sentence, they have a reason. If you go back a little bit, a couple of days ago when we were much younger on Friday night, I told you about normal order and strange order. You remember that? And normal order and strange order, for those of you that are students of the Arabic language, this is the, the subject matter of at-taqdeem wa ta'khir. Right? And there are four benefits of this thing in Balagha studies and all of that, but I'm not giving you that technical lesson. What I did tell you on Friday night was, when you use the unusual order, then what you are adding to the discussion is the word only. Remember, hamd only belongs to Allah, as opposed to hamd belongs to Allah. Right? So what, what Allah is saying then here is, we believe in Him, we believe in Him, but we only rely upon Him. So the second statement actually has an only, and where did the only come from? From the unusual sequencing. You guys with me so far? Now that's incredible. That's actually incredible. Why? Because we believe in Allah, but we don't only believe in Allah. We believe in Allah. We believe in the prophets. We believe in the angels. We believe in the day of judgment. We believe in the books. We believe in predestination. We believe in Jannah. We believe in Jahannam. We believe in Yawm Al-Qiyamah. We believe in lots of things. We don't just believe in one thing. Saying we only believe in Allah would be a problem. Sequencing it as Bihi Amanna would be a problem. But when it comes to relying on someone, do we rely on the angels? Do we rely on the creation of Allah? Do we rely on Jahannam or Jannah? What do we, who do we rely on only and exclusively? Allah. Tawakkul is only a matter of between us and Allah. So He switches the order immediately and makes it exclusive immediately. Only upon Him do we place our trust. And this happens in a split second. That's the incredible thing. You know, we're talking about speech that happens. For us, this will take me 10 minutes to explain, by the way. And at the very least, I would have to add the, add, add the word only. And by the way, I wouldn't even add the word only. Now, normally we say, English translations say, well, you know, say he is Ar-Rahman, say, say he is the most merciful, we believe in him and we rely upon him. That's how it's translated. Wait, wait, wait. There's a problem there. We only rely upon him. Like even when we're writing down a translation, which is different from speaking, because when you're writing, you can take your time and edit your words and think them through, even then we don't think of it. <laughs> and here Allah is saying it so accurately, just in speech, just split second. I want you to be aware of this reality as we go through this section. When human beings speak, they make mistakes. It is inevitable. I spoke to you for, oh, I don't know how many hours yesterday. And as I was speaking to you, I am sure I made tons of grammatical mistakes. 
I am absolutely certain that I repeated myself several times. And as I repeat myself, it is actually considered a kind of mistake. In other words, if you took a transcript of my speech and you went through it, there would be times I would mispronounce something, there would be times where I would misspeak, there would be times where I would omit something that I should have said, there would be times that I'd say the same sentence two or three times. You don't write like that. You don't write an email like that. You don't write an essay like that. You don't write an article like that because you get rid of all the omissions. You get rid of all the mistakes. You get rid of all the repetitions because you go through an editorial process. When you hand in, some of you when you go to school, you go to college or university, you have an essay assignment. And you hand in the professor. Some professors are very merciful. They ask you for the first draft. Version 1. So you give it to them and they destroy it and then say, bring me back the real version now. Right? Give me, give me the second draft. And do you write your essay one time and that's it? You don't even look back or do you go for spell checking and correcting and taking out sentences and moving paragraphs? Do you do this? You have to do what is called an editorial process. As a matter of fact, not just you, your college students, therefore you're terrible at writing, but other people like authors, people who write actual books. Even they write a book and then they come out with second edition, third edition, fourth edition. In the intro to the book, in the preface, they say, I'd like to thank my friends who told me to get rid of that chapter because it was really stupid. And I'd like to thank my mother who told me I'm a loser. And all of these things. Like they, they write those things in the preface because there is such a thing as an editorial process. The incredible thing about the Quran is that it wasn't given to humanity in the form of a book. It was given to humanity in the form of speech. In the form of speech. And the problem with speech is, once it leaves your words, you can no longer edit them. When you write something on paper, you can actually cross it out, you can edit it. When you're typing something up, until you hit send, you can still go back and erase. You can still change. There's an, editor, there's an opportunity for you to edit. But the Quran, Rasulullah would say it, and you don't, he doesn't get to say it and say, wait, let me, let me say that better. Hold on, let me just give you a better version. No. You say it once and that is the final version, the version we're still reciting now. The version that we're still reciting now. And for that first version to be perfect is humanly impossible. That is human, that's the point we're trying to explore here. Why is this speech impossible in my belief and your belief? Why is it impossible to replicate? Just purely from a linguistics perspective, from speech pathology perspective. Now look at this. Allah Azza wa says, let's see, give you, because I want to go through this one rather quickly. I'll give you this, the really hard ones. The ones that are harder to understand, I want to do them with you, inshallah. Um, Alright, let's look at this one. Allah says in Surah Al-Kahf, Absir bihi wa asmi'. This is on the next page, on page 15. Surah Al-Kahf, right towards the middle. أَبْصِرْ بِهِ وَأَسْمِعْ مَا لَهُمْ مِن دُونِهِ مِن وَلِيْءٍ وَلَا يُشْرِكُ فِي حُكْمِهِ أَحَدًا أَبْصِرْ or أَبْصَرَ or بَصِيرَ Anyone know what that means? What it has to do with? It has to do with seeing. وَأَسْمِعْ فَمْ سَمِعَ يَسْمَعُ سَمْعًا Anyone? Hearing. So it has to do with seeing and hearing. And roughly translated, the ayah means أَبْصِرْ بِهِ وَأَسْمِعْ How well he sees. And how well he hears. How well he sees and how well he hears. It's talking about Allah. Now what's peculiar about this is that actually in the rest of the Qur'an, consistently, 
Allah actually mentions seeing first and hearing second. The speech pattern of the Qur'an is not to mention seeing first. The speech pattern of the Qur'an is what is mentioned first? Hearing first and seeing is mentioned second. For instance, when Allah talks about the creation of the human being, Allah says, وَجَعَلْنَاهُ سَمِيعًا بَصِيرًا Okay? We made him able to see, or able to hear, able to see. So hearing is mentioned before seeing. And this is consistent across the Qur'an. Even Allah's names, As-Sami' Al-Basir. Which one will you find first? Will you find Al-Basir As-Sami' As-Sami' Al-Basir? As-Sami' Al-Basir. So Allah, the hearing, the seeing. So hearing is consistently mentioned first. There are only two exceptions to this. Of the dozens of examples, where hearing always comes first, two times the pattern is broken. And you would think, why would the pattern break? The two times, this is one of them, أَبْصِرْ بِهِ وَأَسْمِعْ And the, the one underneath it is the second one. You see towards the end, أَبْصَرْنَا وَسَمِعْنَا أَبْصَرْنَا وَسَمِعْنَا Which means we see and we hear. Instead of saying what? We hear and we see. It's reversed. So the question becomes, why change the sequence unusually in this case? The, in the first case, it's talking about the people of the cave. These young men went and hid away from their village and their city. They went hiding inside of a cave. And when they went hiding inside of a cave, the problem wasn't that nobody could hear them. The real problem was that nobody could find them. Nobody could see them. Nobody could see them. And so in that context, what Allah wanted to highlight first and foremost was, nobody knew where they were, but how well Allah sees. You understand? There's a reason to highlight that first. Additionally, first of all, you don't even know where they are. But Allah, not only does He have full view of what's going on inside the darkness of a cave, He also has complete details, the smallest details of the most intimate conversations that are happening among friends inside of this cave. There's no microphone there, there's no camera there, there is no journalist there taking notes, they are not transcribing their conversation, there is no historical record of what happened inside the cave, except the only witness there is Allah. And He's recording this conversation. Which leads me to another point on the side. The Qur'an has its unique perspective on history, because usually when you read a book of history, you get the perspective of an author. You get the perspective of a researcher. You get the perspective of someone who's gone through the accounts of other people. When you're reading the Qur'an and you're reading history, who is the actual historian? Allah Himself. You're getting Allah's perspective on history in the Qur'an. Not a historian perspective. Not a scholar's perspective. Not a human perspective. It's remarkable. And when a historian writes his history, I'm still on that side note because it's important. When a historian writes history, he mentions the details that he thinks are important. Okay, so he'll mention the army was made up of approximately 3,000 soldiers. They traveled from north to south. They traveled for three months. The battle went on for four years. Whatever, whatever. He'll mention the big details. You're not going to find a historian that is going to say, and by the way, there was a conversation that happened between two soldiers over lunch. Here's what it was. You're not going to find it. Why? Because the historian says that is not an important detail. I need to give you the overall picture. You understand? They, don't, they skip the details. And they don't even have access to those details. Who's going to record a conversation between two guys over lunch? And then you look at the Qur'an. And these young men are sleeping. And then they wake up. 
And they wake up and they say, hey man, how long were you sleeping? And the other one says, uh, I think يَوْمًا وَبَعْضَ I think it was a day. No, 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 it wasn't a whole day. No, 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 that's crazy. The sun's still out. Uh, it must have been an hour. بَعْضَ some part of a day. I think we had a power nap. And the other guy, another guy says, man, who cares day, part of a day, I'm hungry. Dude, forget about, Allah knows better, okay? Who cares about this conversation? We need to eat. Let's go, let's collect money. How much you got, how much you got, how much you got? Give it to this guy, because this guy knows all the restaurants. <laughs> he knows the good spots to eat. You go out and get us food, bro. What, you want me to go back into the village? They're looking for us in the village. They're gonna arrest us. Just watch out. Just watch out. Just be careful, okay? And don't act all like. Just act normal. Okay? Waliyatalatlaf. Quran says waliyatalatlaf. Just, just be chill, dude. Just take it easy. So when you go into the city, just take it easy. And don't let anybody know what you're really up to. Don't order like 15 bags of food. One guy's walking around like 15 bags of food. Like, where's this guy going? All that food, you know? Well, I was hungry, you know. <laughs> this really, it seems like a really casual conversation. Would you find a conversation like this in a history book? No. And even if you did, it would be a conversation between a king and his minister, or between, you know, an ambassador, or somebody important in some public setting where there are scribes and historians that are writing things down. This conversation is happening inside of a cave. How well Allah sees and how well Allah hears. You appreciate the perspective on this now? What Allah is saying here? It's, it's remarkable, really. The other place that this is mentioned is also incredible. It's incredible. Allah says, وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذِ الْمُجْرِمُونَ نَاكِسُوا رُؤُوسِهِمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ If you could only see the time when criminals are going to be holding their heads down before their master in humility, meaning the day of judgment, and people are embarrassed and humiliated, and they can't even lift their head before Allah, and they turn to Allah and they say, Rabbana, absarna, wasami'na. Ya Allah, we've seen enough. Okay, okay, I believe now, I see it, I see it. I see, وَبُرِّزَتِ الْجَحِيمُ liman yara. Hellfire is brought forward for, the, for whoever to see. Now these people are for, and they don't want to see it by the way. Their heads are held back. Look at it, look at it, look at it. And they say, okay, okay, we see, we see, we see, okay. I'm ready to listen now. So he says, I see, and therefore I am ready to listen. But the entire point of the message of Islam for all of the prophets was, the prophets are asking for you to listen, for you to listen. And the people said, no, we don't want to listen. We want to see. That's, that wasn't that the problem? Every prophet said, please listen to me. Please listen to me. The believers who listened to the prophet said, سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا إِنَّنَا سَمِعْنَا مُنَادِيًا يُنَادِي لِلْإِيمَانِ Not إِنَّنَا أَبْصَرْنَا مُنَادِيًا إِنَّنَا سَمِعْنَا مُنَادِيًا We heard the call of a caller calling to Iman. The prophets are saying, please listen to what I'm saying. You know? No, 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 we don't want to listen. We don't want to listen. If you really want to impress us, don't impress us with your words. How about you show us an angel? Let's see it. So an angel talks to you? I don't see an angel. Can you uh, demonstrate this angel for me, please? Oh, so you get a book? Let's see the pages. Let me see the pages floating down from the sky. Then I'll believe you. 
Oh, you want to talk about Allah? Let's see Him. Oh, you, you're talking about some punishment that's going to come? Fire's going to rain from the sky? There's going to be an earthquake? There's going to be a flood? Uh, yeah, I've heard that enough. Let's see it. In other words, the entire problem of the disbeliever was, I am not interested in hearing, I am only interested in seeing. On judgment day, exactly as per his request, what does Allah make him do? See, and he says, okay, okay, I see, I'm ready to listen. That's why that's mentioned. Meaning in dunya, it's about listening. And in akhirah, it's about seeing. In dunya, you listen and come to your faith. In this world, you come to li you listen and you reach faith, and in the afterlife, it is you see and then nobody disbelieves in the afterlife. Everybody's a believer because they've seen now. Okay, now I'm going to move along, inshallah. Again, I'm going to be selective today in what I think are the the most powerful examples that I can illustrate in short amounts of time. This one is pretty awesome. Let's do wala taqtulu awladakum min imlaq. I'm gonna first ask you to understand the difference between the following two sentences. I eat because of hunger. I eat out of fear of hunger. Is there a difference between these two eaters? Two people are at a restaurant. They're about to chew into a burger. You ask one of them, why are you eating? He says, because I'm hungry. You ask the second guy, why are you eating? He says, I'm afraid of being hungry. Are they eating for the same reason? No. What's the difference? The one who's hungry is actually already experiencing hunger. The one who says, I am afraid of hunger. Is he actually experiencing hunger? No, he's actually full, he's still eating. You understand? Fear is associated not with what is happening to you right now. Fear is associated with what is going to happen to you. You're not afraid of what already happened or what is happening. You're actually afraid of what is going to happen. People get afraid of a loud sound, not because they are hurt right now, but it might hurt them. People are afraid of the news of a storm or a tornado or an earthquake coming or something. Not because of what has already happened, but what is going to happen. You understand? But when you say that I'm doing something because of something, because, then the reason already exists. And the reason already exists. Okay. Now go to the ayat. لا ولا تقتلوا أولادكم Do not kill your children. Allah says, do not kill your children. He says this twice. He says this in Surah Al-Isra and in Surah Al-An'am. He says, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ Do not kill your children. The children here are very relieved. Whew! Do not kill your children. You can use this, by the way, children, when you do really poor on your exams in school, and you come home with a terrible report card, you can just say, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ Don't recite the rest of the ayah, just say that part and run. Okay, so... So, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ Do not kill your children. Then it says, min imlaq. I will translate that as roughly as a, because of bankruptcy. Do not kill your children because of bankruptcy. And nahnu narzukukum wa iyahum. We are in fact the ones who provide you and we also provide them. So who's you and who's them? Can somebody explain that to me? Who's you? The parents. Very good. And who's them? The children. Let's go over that really quickly again. Do not kill your children because of bankruptcy. 
We're the ones who provide you, and we're the ones who provide them. Okay, look at the next ayah. Do not kill your children out of fear of bankruptcy. We're the, we're the, we're the ones who provide them and you. Last time he said we provide you and them. This time he says we provide them and you. How come the change in sequence? You see, in the first case, Allah did not say don't kill them out of fear of bankruptcy. He said don't kill them because of bankruptcy. And if, when he says don't kill them because of bankruptcy, that means the bankruptcy already exists. You're already poor. You already have nothing. And when you have nothing, then you are hungry. Your children are additionally hungry, but primarily and first and foremost, you yourself are hungry. And so Allah says, I'll provide you and them. Because you are already what? Hungry. When Allah says, don't kill your children because you're afraid of bankruptcy. Look, if somebody is afraid of bankruptcy, are they hungry yet or are they afraid of being hungry? Which means they're not hungry right now. And they're thinking that if they start paying for the bills and the medical bills and the food and the diapers and the, sorry, pampers and the nappies, nappies. We saw that at the airport, nappy changing room or nappy room. Because you know, we say nappy when you want to take a nap. That would be a really confusing situation at the airport. I'm going to go to the nappy room and you find something. <laughs> These people have no idea how to take a nap. Anyway, so 